Well, actually, I should probably give it to you to like give us our cold open, right? Since this is uh, this is your baby, basically. Oh man, I know. We were supposed to talk about the trickster today, but I'd rather talk about men in leotards. Yeah. So know, as is my want. So well, I I put down the executive decision. And I gotta say, I gotta appreciate how much like when he when he applies himself, everybody. This is I'm like the I'm like the parent teacher conference right now. It's like when Jacob just applies yeah. himself, he can do amazing things. Uh, when it comes hey. to preparation, when it comes to planning, when it comes to uh, outlining, it's it's unbelievable. Welcome to the Voyage Podcast, a show that traverses the oceans of myth and legend through the lens of Catholic theology and philosophy. Come aboard as we set sail in pursuit of the heroic life and Christian virtue with your hosts, Mike Schramm and Jacob Platty. So what is the, but what is the um, kind of special reason? Why are we uh, kind of putting a pause on our trickster episode? Because we, we do talk about how, yeah, this is part one of two and we're going to talk about some more of the um, trickster stuff and we still will. It's just going to be put next week. We're, we're producing this um, special timely episode or we're recording it because what, what's the significance? We have tricked you yet again oh. in the context of our trickster episodes. <laughs> Please just get to it. <laughs> yes, okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, my wife pointed out earlier that, like last week, that uh, the 18th of this month is going to be Superman's anniversary. Uh, I believe it's the anniversary of his first appearance in Action Comics. What year? Oh, so now year I can't quite remember. Uh, 1930. I meant like, don't give me a math problem. Oh. Is it a hundred years? Is it ninety years? Is it eighty years? Well, I thought shoot. you said eighty I wasn't last time we were prepared. <laughs> I mean, how prepared do you want me to be, Mike? I gave you a little. Now you're taking a mile here. Um, I don't know. Nineteen thirty something. Well, nineteen. It's probably so thirty-three. Right? Ninety? No, it says thirty-eight. So what does that put us at? Um, eighty-five. Oh, we have that. Eighty-five years. Oh yep, eighty-five. You know what? That sounds correct too. So very good, sir. All right, so yeah, eighty-five year anniversary, and it's on the eighteenth, which happens to be the day that this episode is dropping. It's almost like we planned it at the last minute. Nevertheless, we planned it, and so uh, we are going to uh, talk about Superman today because I wanted to. Uh, but don't you worry, the trickster will return, like a 007 credit. You know, at the end of the Bond movies, 007 will return. <laughs> trickster will return in. Oh, I thought I thought you were I thought you were going episode. for like the uh, Marvel post post credits because it always says after the post credits like, oh, like Captain America will return in blah 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 or something like that. So does it? it well, they ripped that off of 007. Probably. Don't tell me. Don't tell me you're not a a long and storied fan of the 007 franchise. I mean, like. I've watched a handful of them. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty ambivalent to it. Like, it's we're gonna have to fix that. I watched them. I watched them probably when I was too young as a kid. Like with my, uh, yeah. Well, anyway, you know, just James Bond, that paragon of Christian virtue. Yeah, yeah. And you're ambivalent. <laughs> yeah, some... you're the guy that loves Game of Thrones. So I mean, <laughs> James Bond is is uh, downright, you know. Look, as is my uh, wholesome, want, Jacob, wholesome. as is my want, I'm sure I could find something redemptive in it. I just haven't bothered to look hard <laughs> enough. 
<laughs> so yeah, you can find something to argue with me about uh, something redemptive in the uh, James Bond. What would you call that? Like universe, James Bondiverse. But sure, um, yeah, James Bondiverse. But uh, sure, that's not that. what we're talking about today, is it? <laughs> so no. We All have... right. Well, I guess since it's since it's my episode, I should probably be the one that tries to keep us on track. Is that what you're telling me? Sure. So it's a <laughs> it's a Superman episode, but I want to say first and foremost that this is not just another Superman is a figure of Jesus podcast or a Superman is a figure of Jesus episode. Well, that may be true. That's not going to be like the main thrust. Um, I mean, there might be some yeah. elements. We might have some crossover to that. Uh, and there's inevitably going to be because actually when you look at it from a Jewish perspective or a Christian perspective, Superman was originally intended to be a messianic figure who Christians just recognize as Jesus. Uh, I remember this was kind of a big, when I, when I first saw this, that he was, so he was created by Jewish artists, Jewish, Jewish authors. And true. He, it was supposed to be, it was supposed to be this sort of Jewish messianic figure. I think they even um, relate him to Moses sort of, if you think of, there's a lot of Moses imagery. Well, conveniently enough. Comes on a spaceship, lands in a a foreign land, gets adopted by the locals. Well, yeah, the whole up to save the people, and and I think even the ship is resembling a a sort of like the wicker basket kind of motif and stuff. Um, really depends upon what version of the ship you're looking at. I'd have to look back at the old '30s comic and see what they how they drew it. Well, and it, it also just, just resembles like a spaceship. Those... But the idea is conveniently yeah. enough for Christians. Well, who happens <laughs> you're to just be saying, a fulfillment? You're just saying it looks like a wicker basket. Yeah. <laughs> Because uh, if, you, if you just put that in people's minds, uh-huh. they'll fill in the gaps. Well, right? that's because symbolism's meaningless, right? We just invent our meaning. Isn't that what the <laughs> isn't that the postmodern uh, assumption uh, that we're supposed right. to take into this? <laughs> sure. We haven't done that episode yet, Jacob. We are on a hero's journey still. We haven't uh, deconstructed that myth yet. I just like how you said we're not going to make this as a Superman is Jesus episode. And then he proceeded to talk about how Superman is Jesus. Well, for, we're getting that out of the way. We're pulling that Band-Aid off because that's too basic for uh, us, Jacob. We're going for that deep dive, deep us. cut. and We're the deep cut type. So, um, and again, inevitably, a lot of the stuff that, you know, when you kind of propose, like it's going to be talking about the dying God and why it keeps coming back. So there is going to be Jesus yeah. stuff that comes in. But we just wanted to kind of address that right away that it's like, oh, this isn't going to be some, you know, gotcha surprise that Superman's similar to Jesus. We already know that. Okay. We already get Besides, that. Besides, everyone knows Batman is Jesus. We covered uh, that in three episodes. That's okay. <laughs> Specific <laughs> elements. That's fine. Yeah. No. Uh, it is true. Superman is the most uh, deified of superheroes for sure. Well, and, and as such, is that is assumption is important to this conversation, right? Because that's kind of why you well, brought this up. Yeah. Well, let me talk about that a little bit because I was actually thinking about just in happen, you know, as it happens, I was thinking about the fact that there is just an awful lot of death and resurrection Superman stories. Um, I was sitting there uh, on a lark. I started rewatching All Star Superman, the animated film. Um, you know, it's on HBO Max. Check it out; it's pretty good. That's based upon a comic. Um, and it's like, man, this is like the fourth version of Superman dying that I can, you know, just rattle off the top of my head. And I was like, huh, that's kind of funny because you know we're in the Easter season, um, and 
it's that type of idea. Gods are dying all over the place. Like gods that. are dying left and right. <laughs> that's to quote Game of, to paraphrase Game of Thrones. Yeah. It's it's everywhere. Yeah. Well, we and also so did just do like, our yeah, underworld episode. We just recorded the underworld episode too. We did, you know, because again, that's another this idea. So um yeah, it, it was it was just kind of it occurred to me. It's like, man, there's just so many stories that have been told about, you know, relatively speaking, uh, of Superman dying, right? And it's like that's kind of funny how people just keep going back to that well. Like they just keep mining that um, and kind of ringing it for all it's worth kind of thing from a commercials perspective. Um, but then it's like, that's funny. And then when my wife brought up the fact that it was Superman's anniversary this month and DC was going to be doing some stuff, uh, I was like, well, shoot. And it's Easter. We got to talk about this. It's all, yeah, and the so, planets are aligning. Not Krypton, right. not that all planet, the, but the other planets. That one, still. yeah. <laughs> but if it was there, it would have. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, here's the thing about these Superman stories. And what we'll end up doing is we'll, we'll talk about how this this goes farther back than Superman, right? Like, uh, obviously, we got Jesus, but um, this idea of dying and resurrection, dying and resurrecting gods is uh, really prolific throughout human culture. So we're going to get into that, but I want to keep talking initially about these different Superman comics that have been made. Um, and it kind of goes back to uh, 1986, Alan Moore, that that wild author from England, uh, created a swan song comic for Superman because uh, back in the 80s, mid-80s, DC uh, basically consolidated all of its universes into one universe because after, whatever, 60 years of comic storytelling, like, the storyline was a mess, Right. And people are obsessed with canon. And so they wanted there to be so like a single. We gotta retcon canon. some things. We gotta retcon we gotta we gotta somehow make it so that there's just one story that everyone fits into. Um and so they were basically revamping their universe, killing it and bringing it back to life. Oh. Actually, funnily enough. Uh this is called Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. In this moment, suddenly my brain goes blank, but Crisis on Infinite Earths, I believe. Uh and so but they wanted to do a final comic within the continuity of that, like prior to that crisis happening um, for Superman, kind of like a, a goodbye Superman comic. Mm. Um, and so that's what they did. And let me tell you something. I had never gotten around to reading that comic, so I decided to go purchase a copy and read it for this episode. That is a dark comic, man. Hmm. It's crazy. See, everybody dies. See, everybody like, wants I mean, to. Like, everybody wants to throw uh, Zack Snyder under the bus for making DC so dark, but it's been there for forty years. Yeah, Alan Moore got there first. Um, <laughs> if you know anything about Alan Moore, he's kind of a dark writer, um, or at least he's he's pretty deconstructive. Um, but uh, he, wow, like wow. I mean, for anyone who's already read this comic prior to me, like you really kept your the lid on that one. He kind of looks like Rasputin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not to... he i uh, well, you know and then right you know i shared a photo of the cover for this comic now it's a redrawing of the original cover from back in the 80s but the original cover looks very very similar to it but if you look at the the modern cover from like the mid 2000s for this comic uh superman looks so passive in it it's a picture of him flying towards the viewer away from people like waving goodbye to him on top of the Daily Planet building. And he's over it. But his face, yeah, his face is so blank. Uh, I honestly, as a person who is really invested in icons and theology of icons, my first 
reaction was, it's remarkable how emotionless Superman is in this image because that's actually a trait that you see in icons mm. uh, in the Orthodox Church where they actually they don't um, sentimentalize the, the person in the icon because they don't want... You know, if you're coming to an icon and you're weeping because your mother just died or whatever... You don't want Buddy Jesus, you know, kind of like winking and gunning you, like from the other side of that icon, <laughs> right? Like, you know, yeah. like <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. That's the point. That's the meme. Uh, so, That's, yeah, <laughs> you you want uh, an icon that sits with you, no matter what the kind of emotions you're bringing to it are, and so they're kind of intentionally drawn in such a way that their faces are passive, right? Um, of course, when I showed it to Mike here, he he went a completely nihilistic route with it and just said that it looked like Superman had given up on life and that, uh, you know, couldn't overcome <laughs> the postmodern nihilism. I wasn't saying Superman that was destroyed. Had. I was saying is... that's a reflection of the author, which, to be fair, <laughs> right, that is yeah. probably accurate. Um, if I know. tell you what, let me, this is a very old comic. This is almost uh, almost 40 years old. So, But I to guess go back to, you were talking it. about Alan Moore, like he's responsible for V for Vendetta, for Watchmen, for The Killing Joke. Watchmen. So if you want to talk about, True. yeah, nihilism and, decon- like, so maybe that phrase, you know, whoever wrote that phrase, I think I mean that's yeah is a who who who's a big purveyor of nihilism I don't know we'll we'll have to circle back to that actually is that ironic because um, it's the Joker right is that what you were getting at oh no oh. I thought you were talking about Nietzsche and God is dead oh oh hey look at that it's uh, so, all coming full circle I know how about bit. it right <clears throat> you know we'll we'll get to that we'll have to return to that but like um. So anyway, uh, yeah, Alan Moore, it's almost like DC was like, man, we, we like you, you young British scallywag. Why don't you go ahead and just mess up all of our characters? <laughs> hey, in interesting ways, I'm not knocking these stories. They're super interesting, but it's remarkable that DC let Alan Moore tell some of the stories that Alan Moore chose to tell using their properties. I mean, it's like, wow, DC, these are bold choices. The 80s were a wild time, right? Is that kind of they the, that's were, the big lesson man. that's... They were a wild time. You know, at, so at the end, and hey, this is a story. This is <laughs> the death of Superman. Superman dies, right? So it's not really a spoiler because all of the stories we're going to talk about. It's the title of the comic. It's the title of the movie. <laughs> so I do remember, Superman though, died. I will say as a kid, it did really stick out with me um, seeing the cover of, you know, you've got the the um, the mm-hmm. cape as the flag kind of thing. That yes. It's all torn up. And um mm-hmm. And I think, isn't there one where like somebody, it's, it almost is like you're looking up at the other heroes, like you're in a grave. Isn't there another image that, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of imagery associated with those two really stand out to me. But, and and like I said, Mm. I remember seeing that cover as a kid, um, you know, back when, yeah, I actually, cause 92 was when the, uh, when the, um, yeah, well, yeah, and they use that in the video in the movie too, the 2018 animated movie. They use that same image. Yeah, I had you watch those movies, which, those cartoons. Thank you very much to all of, for the listening audience to show up, show that picture that nobody but me could see. That was very. <laughs> I just beneficial. showed him a picture of the the image that he's. Talking you can just, about yeah. All you got to do is Google the death of Superman and image search that, and you'll find it. But it's his cape, like a stuck on a piece of like wrought iron sticking out on the ground, like a like a flag, but it's all torn up. Show don't it's tell. It's a right? super iconic. The, yeah yeah it's iconic super iconic image it is absolutely well let me just quick finish what alan moore does to superman uh because it's fascinating Uh, after many deaths uh you know crypto the dog they killed the dog (laughs) you never kill the dog yeah they kill the dog in that comic (laughs) wow 
just to give you a taste of, of what happens here. But anyway, at the end of it, uh, it's basically a story of all of Superman's enemies coming at him, his biggest foes coming at him one final time, right? Um, and they all get dispatched in various ways. So all of his enemies are getting killed off. Lex Luthor gets karate chopped to death, like gets his neck broke because he's <laughs> he's possessed by Brainiac, which is a super intelligent Kryptonian computer. Um, and even after he's killed, right, he gets, you know, neck broke to death. Brainiac's sitting on top of his head like a helmet. And Brainiac brings his corpse back to life Ooh. and like uses his corpse to walk around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's, Whoa! Um, that'll sit anyway, with you. That'll that'll sit with you. <laughs> it's, it's nightmare nuts. fuel. Um, and uh, and so anyway, um, Mister Misitplik um shows up as kind of like the grand orchestrator, um, and because he's decided he's just going to be like pure. Oh, evil you mean our, our trickster? Uh, tro- our trickster yeah, character. Yeah, hey, there you go. And that is very true. Yeah. Absolutely. But anyway, little, continue. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So, uh. He shows up and uh, Superman can't allow this godlike being to just like turn into like an evil satanic figure, which is what he literally says he's going to do. He's like, I'm bored being mischievous. I've decided I'm just going to be pure evil. Um, And so uh, Superman kills him by kind of tearing him apart using Phantom Zone technology. Uh, But then he feels really bad that he killed somebody intentionally like that. And so he goes into a room where there's gold kryptonite. Gold kryptonite's going to take away his powers. And then this is all taking place up at the Fortress of Solitude. And then he walks off into the Arctic to freeze to death. Hmm. And so 10 years later, the narrative device is that Lois Lane is given an interview to the um, Daily Planet. And she's like, and that's the last anyone ever saw of Superman. Um, we that's presume actually, he died out in the Arctic. That's a very kind of uh, like um, end, ending of Frankenstein. Doesn't it kind of remind you of is. the end of yeah, Frankenstein novel? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's now, a little bit of an aside. So, In fairness, they make it super clear because uh, Lois Lane's married and has a kid at this point, 10 years later. They make it super clear that Superman actually did not die. So that's the twist. Superman, this is all just a facade that he went to live in seclusion. Very like Dark Knight Rises. Like Batman just pretends the to retirement die, of Superman just doesn't away. have the same ring to it, though. It doesn't, yeah. And and the reason why I still think that we can incorporate it in this episode, even though he technically doesn't die, is that a the Superman character does die, right? The whole world thinks he's dead. Yeah, it's the death of the image of identity. Superman, you could say, right? Death Absolutely, of the right. whatever the hero ish part of Superman. And he certainly is no longer a presence in the world. Now he's just kind of hanging out on a farm, you know just being a normal person, right? Mm. So he has his kind of like, I just want to settle down and have a normal life, you know, type thing. But it, so never, that's how that story but it never works out like that, right? Whenever the superhero well, wants to retire, they all, something always yeah. brings them back. That one last, you know, whatever. That's true. <clears throat> well, so fast forward half a decade or a decade, and you get the really iconic story of the death of Superman in the 90s. And the reason why I brought down this comic, uh, the one that I showed Mike, but no one saw... <laughs> was that there's this this quote on the back of it that I'll read quick. By removing Superman from the equation, we and the characters in the DC universe learned how important Superman was as an icon. This storyline brought the real and fictional universes together in a stirring realization of just how much Superman means to our culture. 
That's from the the wise people over at IGN. Well, in gaming network, international gaming network. I'm not sure what IGN's been around forever. But uh, but that's a poignant quote. It's on the back of the comic, and so I was like, you know what? That's and it very really much because- actually feeds into that Nietzsche "God is dead" idea. You know, it's the "God is dead and we killed him," where it's like, even if even if you didn't believe that God existed, but you kill the idea of God, what are the consequences of that going to be? And even though they don't literally kill the Superman in that world, the killing the idea of Superman, what are the consequences of that going to be? Well, and, you know, when the death of Superman happens back in the early 90s, DC definitely promoted it as a, like, a real thing, like a final thing. There was no mm-hmm. intimation that he was going to come back from the dead. So when people experienced this idea of the death of Superman in the early 90s, it felt final, right? They quickly undid it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but nevertheless, the the shock and awe... Uh, yeah. Superman dying was very real. Well, when and it like I said, that's why I shared with you, I can speak to that as a, as a young kid and having mm-hmm. that sense of shock when, wait, Superman dies? Like seeing that comic um, cover, it, it was jarring, you know, having grown up with, and I, I don't remember, I was probably, we'll just say 10 years old at the time or something. Mm. Well, I tell you, it's actually really cool what they do in the comic because as as that final fight's happening with Doomsday, the giant Hulk-like creature that is ultimately going to be responsible for Superman's death, mm-hmm. what they intentionally did is, as the comic progresses, they kept making the image panels bigger and bigger, so that by the time you get to... Because the comic itself is basically just one big fight sequence. Mm-hmm. But by the time you get to the end of the comic, you're looking at full-page illustrations of the action that's happening instead of like, you know, six or seven boxes or panels taking up a page. They're just these giant splash pages of like epic punching happening between him and Doomsday. Yeah. And then ultimately him being dead at the end, being cradled in Lois's arms as she's like weeping, right? Uh, which was a really brilliant move. Well, like the Pieta, like is the that creators. kind of the, is that what they were? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like it's the, uh, super the Pietistic. Michel- yeah. The Michelangelo sculpture of Mary holding Jesus which again, mm-hmm. I, I we've 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 refrained for about uh, fifteen minutes, but yes, he is a Christ figure in this Doomsday uh, <laughs> comic. Um, sure in is. this, you know, and it was done done on purpose, right? Lois is holding him like the Virgin and the uh, and in Jesus and Jesus taken down from the cross. So, well, and you know what's fascinating about what they do in the uh, Death of Superman arc. And you've watched this animated movie now, so you can speak to it with relative accuracy because they do a good job of condensing like a thousand pages of comics because the the aftermath of the death of Superman actually lasted for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of content and all that. Um, and they condense that down pretty well. It translates really movie. well from the comic to the screen because it's an animated um, you know, yeah. version. But sorry, keep going. Um, but you have a bunch of pretenders. You yeah. get a bunch of false Christs that show up, right? Yep. So Jesus, the Jesus figure dies, right? And, you know, uh, there's a va- there's a phrase? vacuum. There's a power vacuum. So, yeah. Kinda. Power, yeah. Abhors a vacuum. Oh, nature abhors a vacuum. Vac- nature abhors a vacuum. Nature, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, but, okay, yeah. So, like, and so suddenly you have all these pretenders showing up. All these, you could call them antichrist, basically. And, you know, there are varying degrees of actually, like, evil or not, right? There's there's basically four, you know, Eradicator, Superboy, Steel, Man of Steel, yeah, and Cyborg Superman. 
Um, and all four of them are, you know, it's a big mystery. Part of the big plot, especially in like the very, very, very long comic arc is it takes a long time to resolve who are these people and who's the real Superman. What's their motivations? Blah, blah, blah. And, yeah. What's their motivations? In the in the animated movie, they get to that, you know, you find out with relative quickness because it's only an hour and a half long, right? Uh, and that but, is, uh, just to clarify, that's the sequel, The Reign of Superman, which, um, again, it's tied mm-hmm. up with the death of Superman, the first movie. And this is 2018, 2019, is when these two are, are being made or released or whatever, but... Sorry, go mm-hmm. ahead. And I actually own... No, that's cool. I actually own a version... They did a version where they just combined them into one three-hour animated movie. Mm. You know what, though? The Snyder I, Cut. That's the one... That's, yeah, like a Snyder Cut. That's the one that I bought, the, the three-hour combination to, because I thought that I would appreciate that more. I kind of regret it. They they kind of feel better as a, a just a movie about Superman's death. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, if they had done like an intermission thing, in like the combined animated movie, I think that would have been effective because you kind of need you kind of need that break after his death. Oh, like the like God, you need like, like a moment Godfather of silence. The... You do. Yeah. You absolutely do. Absolutely. Um, and when when you combine them into one movie like that, it just kind of keeps the river just keeps flowing. Hmm. And it's like, but I kind of want to pause. I kind of need a little pause after he dies, kind of thing. So anyway, uh, let that be a lesson to everyone. <laughs> Go ahead and get like the two separate movies if if you're so inclined. And you can see them but, separately uh, on uh, HBO Max, by the way, too. Yeah, there you <clears> go, <throat> HBO Max. So, um, uh, you so what was the like? I guess we we got a little bit into the mythology behind it. I mean, we've really just we've done sort of a, a synopsis of and talked about some of the symbolism in the death of Superman and then sort of the reign of Superman. But like, what's the what's the kind of deeper like preceding mythology of this dying god? that Superman is just another example of in this long line. Right. You know, so this, what we, we talked about before, and now people back in like the 19th century, right? Uh, the Golden Bough by Frazier, um, you know, they they made a big to-do. It's like, it's like all of these uh, kind of modern academics discovered that there's tons of dying and resurrecting gods and that was supposed mythology. to be like a gotcha to christianity or something yeah it's like a gotcha moment it's like aha as if anyone so, like forgot about these which again it's like the, whole, the whole world knew about these stories but then all of a sudden you have these these academics who who just pretend they disappeared for two thousand years it's like no we always knew about them mm-hmm. you know what, what's the problem here because the you know just because there's a story about someone coming back from that a none of them are identical to what we claim about jesus right they're just kind of shadows, and none of them they pretended, don't even try even to pretended like to be Jesus history. Did. Whereas, you know, the Gospels right. very much are. So, yeah. So there's there's just no reason for us as Christians to be at all concerned about the prevalence of dying and resurrection motifs. I am always of the opinion that when you see a human story, like a a, a monomythic story mm-hmm. that transcends culture and place. That just like when you find gravity everywhere, it, it just kind of means that, well, gravity must be authentic. It speaks to the truth <laughs> of gravity. It doesn't real. relativize gravity. It's yeah, just it as real. Mean, oh, yeah. yeah, just because yeah. you discovered something. So. If you find math in India, it just kind of means that math works everywhere and that math must be real, you know, kind of So, thing. yeah, and it speaks to, and I mean, so, and you're going to kind of go into this too of like C.S. Lewis drew upon this as it's very much tied in with C.S. Lewis's, you could kind of call it his argument from desire for God. 
in the sense of when you find this universal thing, whether it's a universal mm-hmm. mythic story, universal, you know, trope, universal, um, some universal truth, it doesn't relativize it. It actually, it, it universalizes it. It, it, it makes it more mm-hmm. real. And it makes it Catholic, right? And well, like, I mean, look, far be it from me to put words in your mouth, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, and so I say the Nicene Creed yeah, is the word Catholic. Yeah, yeah, lowercase. <laughs> uh, the the real Nicene Creed too, and on that filioque stuff. That's just on. the Niceno Constantinopolitan Creed. Okay, just respect the next. <laughs> just respect the other uh, uh, ecumenical councils, the, the please. New, yeah. yeah, the three eighty one okay. Council on the Holy Spirit. You got to get that Holy Spirit stuff in there. But uh, uh-huh. anyway, enough inside baseball. So. Um, <laughs> C.S. Lewis is, you know, one of his big things when everybody loves talking about C.S. Lewis's arguments for God and his big one, I mean, admittedly, it's very persuasive. His argument from desire is, um, and not that he invented it by any means, but we have this Mm -hmm. universal desire, right? Just like we have a universal desire to eat. It's because of the existence of food. And so in the same way- Everyone feels hunger. It implies that there's a solution. Like if there's a universal need, then there's a, uh, there's- it's an it's a need in search of an answer, and you could apply right. that same logic to the resurrection. Even though you're only going to see shadows of it in like the Osiris myth or the Dionysus myth, or um, you know, we kind of talked about uh, in our underworld episode Beowulf going down into the underworld and emerging victorious. Right? We have this universal yep. desire to to conquer death, not just to get through it, not just to you know, um, l- learn how to live with it ironically. Well, and the the reason why this isn't such a conversation about like a retread, uh, I mean, certainly there's a lot of overlap. It's not really a retread of our descent into Hades episode no. because a lot of what we talked about in that episode was, you know, either like humans or, or demi-humans, you know, basically um, Joe Schmoes, at least relative to like people. The hero as whatever. opposed to the god. Yeah, as opposed to the god going into the underworld and coming back out and things like that. Um Oftentimes, semi-divine figures. Don't get me wrong. Hercules is nevertheless exactly right. Um, But this is uh, another facet, very similar to that relationship, that conversation. But it's another facet because uh, what these are, these stories are, is of a god, like a a primal god, a a god that's um, not just the progeny or of you know Mm. a human and a god or something like that, um, being put to death usually in some nasty way, oftentimes being just torn apart and dismembered, actually, as it turns mm-hmm. out, um, and then uh, being reassembled and brought back to life, and usually becoming the lord of the underworld in the process, right? Now, these are elements that we 100% ascribe to Christ as far as like when he enters into death, he becomes lord of death. And if you look at a classical icon of uh, the resurrection, it's the shattered doors of Hades under the feet of Jesus in the shape of a cross mm. and him pulling Adam and Eve out of the abyss, out of the darkness. The heroine of but hell. He is a, yeah. The heroine of hell, exactly. And he's a triumphant king. You know, He is the lord of the underworld now. One of the... Um, so, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go on. So, no, just, so that's a definitely motif. Well, and, and I wanted to bring up because it's 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 not um, given very much attention because of all the other really cool stuff happening in the Inferno and in Dante's Inferno in the Divine Comedy. But there are a lot of sort of like um, throwaway lines, passing references to different elements of Inferno that are destroyed. Because what Dante's doing is he's kind of he's kind of mixing together the mythological underworld and the hell of the damned. 
And so when Christ mm-hmm. conquered the underworld, there's a lot of like, like there's a destroyed bridge that happened when Christ mm-hmm. went into hell, went into the underworld and destroyed death. Sure. And sure. so you have these little things where like, oh, Virgil says, oh yeah, we can't go that way because that thing was destroyed or this thing. And it's like, well, how does that just happen? But it's a, it's a reference to the heroine of hell. Oh, I got it. Voyage Comics, Corporate Overlords. You need to do a prequel to the Divine Comedy. It's going to be brilliant. <laughs> a prequel to the Divine Comedy that follows Jesus heroine hell because the Inferno is the only part of the Divine Comedy that anyone cares about anyway anymore. Unfortunately, all the yeah. metal imagery. We, yeah, we love Isn't that. Isn't that true? No, unfortunately, yeah. that gets way too well, much attention when Purgatorio and Paradiso are yeah. like, they're, they're such gems. Regulated. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, there you go. Boom. Um, Jacob, that's a gift. There's Voyage already, Comics. you know, you that there's that an one. Orthodox comic of the heroine of hell already that exists. We've talked about this before. <laughs> there already is. I own it. Yeah, I got it. I was going to say, we've talked about it. this. No, no, no. But I am specifically, we need to market this as the prequel well, to it's the, based the, off the of Divine Gun. It's based comedy. off of that line in First Peter where, he's, where Jesus preaches to the souls in prison that St. Peter talks about. Absolutely. I think it's First Peter, like 321 or something. But. Um, something like that. 319. You know, I just don't think that you are taking seriously this, you know, blockbuster idea, but I guess we'll let that, we'll leave that up to the corporate overlords. Um, but, uh, anyway, oh, Jacob, you got cut out. You're gone. What happened? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, back to Superman. So, yeah, no. Anyway. So when we're talking about these gods dying and coming back to life, becoming Lord of the underworld kind of thing, what that meant in practice for a lot of the cultures that had these stories, they were tethering it to the fertility and the coming back of the seasons and things like that. Yeah. So if you look at a story like uh, Osiris uh, in Egypt, um, and you know a, a lot of these Levant cultures, right, especially the ones that are on the Nile banks and things like that, but these like flood seasons and things where they really needed that to like bring the world back from the dead because it was like a scorched wasteland until like the floodwaters came and you know and that 100% plays into Noah's like the the typology of Noah's flood where like the world gets cleansed but then life comes back from the flood kind of mm-hmm. thing I mean I think we could totally have a whole conversation life giving waters of purifying life giving waters like, where gosh, have I heard is that there a before? baptism imagery going on with the flood imagine yeah, exactly. who could have made that connection you know who knows um, but this idea of, uh, you know, the spring as such is the experience of the resurrection of these gods in these myths, right? And so, um, let's see here. I got a little list here. We got Osiris. We got Dionysius. We got the Babylonian god Tammuz, uh, which I guess is just a, a Babylonian version of, you know, Ad- Adonis or something like that. Ad- Adonis? I would Adonis, pronounce Adonis, but say. I'm not going to correct yeah, you. Adonis, you're right. No, that's right. You got it. Or at least I got it. No thanks to you. You know, you know um, when everybody, when anybody ever asked me how to pronounce something, and I, I, I do, I did steal this from Lord of Spirits, they always just say, just with confidence. That's always the answer. That's my favorite, <laughs> yeah. Good. yeah that's, that's good advice. Um, you know, so these people, they... We experience that. And, you know, when it comes to the Lenten season, right, um, I think this is beautiful about the liturgical calendar of the church, where people feel this, you know, like seasonal uh, depressive disorder, whatever it's called. Like, you know, when people kind of get sad in the wintertime, mm-hmm. or when there's like a lack of sun and things like that, or a lack of warmth, you know. 
it's it's really really natural for us to experience seasons because we're we are embodied creatures and like we really are tethered to this kind of goes into themes that we uh will discuss when it comes to like nature and things like that when we get into episodes like that but like we are we are in the ecosystem right and we are a part of creation and so you have like this seasonal mood disorder that occurs and lent lent just means spring right that it's just a word for spring um and so when we talk about the approach of lent as christian christians and for us it's a season of repentance right but it's because we know that the resurrection's coming and we know that the summer is coming and the the sun of righteousness s-u-n is a phrase we use in the Orthodox Church. I'm sure it's in the Catholic Church too, mm. um, where summertime, the resurrection, the glory and the warmth and the greenery of summer, you know, that's very much in the DNA of the liturgical calendar, right? And it's it's not, we don't do it because of that. We do it because of the historicity of when Christ was crucified well, yeah, the, and things the like that. The myth and the history but, are not in conflict. They supplement each other. But they're not in conflict. Right? They they 100%. It's almost like it happened for a reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's almost like this is all kind of part of the plan. It's the convergence you know? of myth and history, which going back to our C.S. Lewis thing, that was one of the big things that led to his conversion is his conversation mm-hmm. with Tolkien where it's the myth that was true. And because the, because the I, myth was I, more convincing, but it just also happened to be true. And what is it? I think that he was actually throwing a lot of the cool corn king, because uh, that's like Lewis's little pet name for this Fraser esque dying and resurrection fertility god yeah. seasonal cycle deity thing, corn kings, right? Um, and I think that's what Lewis was throwing at Tolkien. Oh, Jesus is just another corn king. Well, and it kind of ties into Tolkien's like he's not just another corn king. He he is the corn king of which all those other corn kings are just. And this is why it has to be the dying God and going back to why it has to be Superman that dies. Well, it might be significant that, you know, Batman or flash or wonder woman dies. It has to be Superman in order to fit into this because it's just like going back to these ancient communities where it's like, you want to find a natural explanation of, Oh yeah, the seasons change. They, you know, winter kills everything. And then it all comes back in the spring or whatever is it has to be the life giver. So the life giver for the community, which for the Egyptians was the Nile. And so mm-hmm. it has to be, it has to be the death of God in order for this renewal, in order for this to kind of like, I guess, have the effect or or have the significance, you know? Well, in our perennial obsession a perennial uh-huh. obsession with um telling Superman death stories in the last 40 years or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, a, I think that in some sense it's it is actually a a reference to the it, it's like we're going back into our primal need for the resurrected God mm-hmm. because we're living in this kind of liquid modernity, this kind of deconstructed, you know, unmythic world, right? The God is dead thing that Nietzsche ushered in, right? For you know, Superman existed for sixty years, and no one ever thought of killing him, right? But these innate archetypal tales, stories that live within us, rise to the surface in when we need them, basically, right? Um, they'll they'll always come back out, like 
like they're reborn actually you know to use that metaphor well we got um, you know we got sick sick of killing the real god because we we turned away and ignored the real dying god in jesus and so we had to start recreating our own and like you said we're not well, even recreating it because superman had been around for a long time but we have to recreate the dying god so we have to kill superman or we have to deconstruct the superhero in general and there's something, you know, to your points, like, because what you said was that, like, you gotta, you gotta kill the life giver, right? Which I do think is very mythic. That's totally true. Um, when we talk about Superman, it's understood. He is the most godlike yeah. superhero character. He's also the most archetypal superhero character, as in he's the first and ultimately the source of superheroes as such in the comic world, in modernity, right? And he's the one that he most resembles the, the a god. Like, okay, I mean, you, if he's, anything, he's all powerful. we talked about how the Flash is more reminiscent of, like, Mercury, but Mercury wasn't the all-powerful, you know? Mm -hmm. And, like, Batman Absolutely. might be more reminiscent of Morpheus, or Orpheus, but Orpheus wasn't the all... Even Hades wasn't the all-powerful, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, no, Superman lives on top of the world in his fortress of solitude, right? He stands alone on top of the planet, at the top, right? He's literally otherworldly. You know, imagery, imagery of being at, at the top of things, right? Um, he is... Uh, so everyone everyone thinks of Superman as being the strongest creature in existence, and he basically is, right? It's funny, when they created Doomsday, Doomsday is basically just kind of like a Hulk ripoff. Um, he's got kind of a fascinating backstory as to like where he came from. It's, it's but Hulk he was created with, to be with spikes, though. Hulk with spikes. That's totally Hulk different. Hulk with spikes. Yeah. Yeah, hundred, totally different. And and he's gray. Oh shoot, <laughs> Hulk was gray for a while too. Dang it. But he's got those spikes. Um, and they grow. And uh, and so if you ever want to, you know, sometimes it's like who would win in a fight, Hulk or Superman? And it's like, well, they just kill each other. <laughs> so we've seen it. It's in the death of Superman. Um, but. Uh, you know, and then through shenanigans, it's funny to to see how Superman gets brought back to life in all these stories. Um, it's always unconvincing, <laughs> basically. But well, yeah, it's you got to bring it, him back. It has, somehow. It's like arbitrary or whatever. It has to just it just kind of happens. Which maybe somebody could argue, oh, well, isn't the resurrection of Jesus just arbitrary because it's like a wish fulfillment thing? But yeah, right. I mean, if you if you truly understand what's being told in the Christian story, it's an inevitability. Right, like there's nothing, and that's what's that's what's so cohesive. You got to snap your fingers it. when you do that. By the way, it's inevitable. <laughs> I am an inevitable, right? Yeah, where's my big golden jeweled glove? Um, you know, like it, it is. It all makes sense, right? Whereas something like Superman being brought back the dead is again, it's just another shadow of that. And as such, it's not as good ultimately, narratively, cohesively speaking. Well, but it's it's iconic for sure. Right. And to go back um, to um, the thing that we've, we've kind of been circling around this idea of why it has to be Superman. And you said, cause he's the most archetypal and to uh, coin a new, a new word. He's, he's the most patriarchal because ooh. he's the, cause what is his, it's truth, justice and the American way. And so yeah. when you kill Superman, he walked away from that in the two thousands because whatever, but, but anyway, go but yeah, on. no, when we, but again, this, you know, like in 92, the death of Superman, like this precedes it, of course. Yeah. And so like, what are we killing when we kill Superman? Is it this sort of death of, you know, America as so many people had seen it or how so many people had known it is in there there again. It's like, it's, is it the death of truth, the death of justice, death of the American way? What's the, what are the consequences of it? Right. Go back to our Nietzsche thing of God is dead and we killed him. 
again, whether you believed in God or not, the idea of God being dead is going to have consequences. And so the well, yeah, go ahead. And the and the pretenders show up, right? Yeah, the pretenders show up. So when you kill the mythology, you got to replace the mythology with a new mythology. And that's I think that's 100% what you see in our culture nowadays. When you remove Christianity from the public and to you're, you're talking about the American culture because you know, again, ever the culture warrior Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, that's where like, the clicks are, man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You you see new narratives being put forward in the same way. And so like if you look at the death of Superman storyline, all these different pretenders to the throne are imperfect right like superboy is an angsty teen uh you know cyborg superman's actually just crazy and homicidal Hmm. uh the eradicator is like this weird um kryptonian tech basically that's meant to like protect superman as he like comes back to life and man of steel is just a dude on the street that gets inspired by superman and just kind of like he's not wearing just a dude on the street you said yeah like kind of the he yeah. is, yeah. Like he is even more so in the comics. In the movie, they make him into more of like a scientist guy. I think the animated. Well, he movie, like it's like an Iron Man with a hammer. It, he is like Iron yeah. Man. Yeah, he is a very Iron Man esque character. But his backstory is that he just wants to like step up because Superman's not there no more, and there's really not much more to it than that. Mm. It makes him very heroic. He's a cool character, but um, yeah, there's nothing. I also got a sense of like a John Henry thing going on. I maybe it's just the hammer. Super John Henry, but no. Well, honestly, I think his name's John Henry. Oh, that's probably (laughs) it. Yeah, they literally, (laughs) they literally call him John Henry. So like, so it's like they're just very. So they'd wanted to incorporate some of that uh, American mythology, tall tales. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I knew I had thought that somewhere, but he doesn't get enough. He doesn't get enough credit as. He's kind of like the pretender Superman that nobody cares about because he's just not as quite as interesting. He doesn't have cool yellow visors like Eradicator. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't have a cool leather jacket like Punk Superboy. Yeah, I remember that one being a little um, off-putting, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's got an earring in his ear. It's like, well, it's like it's you. like Robin that can fly, sort of is what I kind of yeah the vibe I got, he uh, so. yeah. Anyway, but we haven't even gotten to my favorite. You know, I know we're we're running out of time on this episode. We never even got to All Star Superman, which is By all means. my favorite, my favorite version of this story. Um, where basically Grant Morrison's the author of that one. The best way to understand Grant Morrison, he was a modern comic writer, but he he traveled to the future from the 1960s, where he, under various pseudonyms, must have created all those other wacky comics in the 60s, where like. Superman's, you know, whatever, fighting giant pinball machines or whatever he's doing. Grant Morrison loves that type of stuff. And so whenever you read a Grant Morrison comic book these days, it's always incredibly imaginative and really rooted in like the wacky side, like the kind of Batman 66 side. Like a surrealist Superman. You got to It is kind of, it's it's very whimsical. Okay. Grant Morrison is a super whimsical comic writer. And so he did, DC had this thing where they were doing these all-star lines where they wanted these one-off comics that were just like, they put, you know, really interesting writer with an artist together to create this kind of like seminal work kind of thing. So Grant Morrison creates All-Star Superman. And it's a really, really, it's ironic. I, you know, when I was telling Mike, you know, what I would recommend he watch, uh, he went with Death of Superman. And because that's the iconic one. 
It is. That's the iconic one. But all super all star Superman's the better story. Okay. It's a better movie, frankly. So go watch it sometime. But uh it's very whimsical and Superman's known for being the strong man, like the strongest being in the universe. Okay. But he's also hyper intelligent. Like, especially in Grant Morrison, uh, you know, characterization, the character. <clears throat> his the same powers, like the same sun that strengthens his like cells to be like super strong cells. Okay. It does the same thing to his brain. Mm. So he's got like a super brain. Um, and so he's actually, you know, I was getting to this when we were talking about how he's godlike. He's actually he's not all intelligent, but he's hyper intelligent. Yeah. Um, he's also hyper humble though, right? So he's he's basically just kind of like perfect, right? And that story, an all-star Superman, he gets corrupted. He basically gets super infused with sun power, but it's it's too much for even him to process, like metabolize. And so he's dying. The entire comic story is him finding out at the beginning of the story that he's got only so many months to live. Hmm. He's basically given cancer, more or less, like Superman cancer. <laughs> and the rest of the story is him trying to wrap up his life um, before the end, right? Because there again, um, it's, it's really like, well told. It, you got to come to grips with mortality, even if you're Superman. Yep. It is. That, it's that story. That's the story. It's like, how does Superman deal with his own death? Because in Death of Superman, he doesn't have a chance to ruminate on it. He just is reacting to Doomsday. Yeah. Um, and in All-Star Superman, he never actually dies anyway. But even in that one, or not All-Star, but whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow, not only does he not actually die at the end, but... It's really not about him. It's about him hanging up the Superman mantle more than anything. Mm. Um, though he is afraid of dying because he gets basically in, intimations that he's... People from the future tell him or hint that he's going to die mm -hmm. in Man of Tomorrow. And so he has that kind of like fear going on. All-Star Superman's an entire comic story about him and not being afraid of death either, frankly, because he's too good. Grant Morrison makes Superman, leans into Superman being truly the Boy Scout. He's just too good. Um, and it ends on a very poignant mo note. You know, at the end, he does, he has to go fix the sun because shenanigans uh, and the sun's going to go out. And so Superman has all this sun power in him. And uh, so he says goodbye to Lois. You know, kind of a theosis going on, actually. Now I'm kind of picking up. It is. Of... It's very yeah. He because here's the thing, and this is to your point. He uh, is he's dying, and like he's 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 at death's door at this point. But he's got just enough strength to like fly to the sun, and so he he says, "I love you, Lois. I'll always love you." And he flies to the sun, right? And he disappears into the sun. And then there's an epilogue where um, Jimmy Olsen's talking to Lois, and Lois is like, "He's." He's not dead. He's just up there fixing the sun. Hmm. And when he's done fixing the sun, he'll come back. Like a once in future thing, yeah. king type motif. Yeah. And the final panel is this almost art deco. You know that like- I wanted uh, to name this episode, Superman is dead, long live Superman too. And you just fed right into it. Like, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. The uh, art deco. Um, you know, like Rockefeller Center, like the the rank, they have that like mm. Prometheus statue. Yep. Or, yeah, right or I'm actually mixing this up. But like there's like this idea of like a it's almost like it's an image of Superman pulling a big lever um, and it's kind of art decoy looking the final the final panel after Lois Lane talks about him mm -hmm. fixing the sun and coming back is this uh, artistic stylized 
image of Superman pulling a lever, like, uh, in the sun kind of thing, like fixing. Maybe the sun you can just show stuff. it to me across the screen so nobody else can see it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't bring that comic with me. Uh, Google it. Final panel of All Star Superman or whatever. Uh, All Star Superman. Oh, it kind of makes me think of like it? at like a train station. Because he becomes a star. Like you know, like at a, like it almost it actually kind of makes me yeah, think like of like a communist propaganda the poster or something. It is no, that's that's actually hundred percent. It looks like communist, like that, that type like, of like yeah, like the imagery. the glory of the worker. It kind of just makes me think of or something like that. It, so. Well, and you know, famously, Superman kind of started as like a well, it was like anti-Nazi, anti-communist. Like yeah, it was yeah. truth, justice, well, no, and the no, American. No, he was he was kind of a socialist icon in the '30s. Like he was. Oh, I see. He's he's there to like fight against like the the big wigs, the capitalist big wigs. Oh, okay. for the little guy. Yeah. Um, but then World War II happens, and then he becomes anti-communist. So gotcha. Uh, but uh, I did find it. By there's the a whole way. thing called Red Sun where he actually it's an Elseworlds tale where he lands in Russia yeah. instead of Kansas. That's and becomes like the the hero of the communist Russian. I saw Soviets. that one was advertised on HBO Max too. <laughs> I haven't watched. There's a I ton. Didn't watch that one. Hey, I'm just gonna throw a pitch out there for the DC animated universe. No, all of it's on yeah. HBO Max. And because it follows, there's a ton of good content. because it translates from the comics so well. It actually like the Batman ones, the Superman ones. They do a. I mean, they they are entertaining and and well made. Like. We never got around to talking about the Snyderverse and like because that's the other big storyline of Superman. Oh, dying. we made jokes about it. Isn't that what's others. most important? <laughs> We're gonna do an entire episode in which I redeem the Snyderverse. I'm the only person on the planet. I am like Maximus Confessor. Uh, or are you Athanasius say, are you thinking of Athanasius? Because <laughs> no, Maximus too. Okay. Um, only. Yeah, Mike's gonna come cut out my tongue and cut off. But the off phrase my right is hand, Athanasius contra Mundi. So, Athanasius, yeah. yeah, against the world, right? Uh, I am, I am Jacob, defending the Snyderverse against the world, even though I don't even like it as much as I want to like it because it does have flaws. But people seem to really like they have dismissed it so profoundly. Well, I thought and it's like, listen, folks, there's a ton of stuff to talk about in these movies, but. Anyway, that's the death of Superman story. And uh, it's got really, really interesting things going along as long as you watch the right versions. Because the studios really, really messed these up. The studios were trying to be like, oh no, Zack Snyder is doing something that does not look like what Marvel is doing. And they were right, because frankly, Marvel's strategy was better at the end of the day. And they've done a really good job with their movies. But Zack Snyder was not doing that. And so Warner Brothers is like, we're going to interfere with this. And so they derailed him. But if, and then through a miracle, miracle of miracles, talk about resurrections, the <laughs> Snyder cut of Justice League actually happens. That is such a profoundly strange thing that occurred. It's like you get a bunch of people on the internet who just like petitioned enough to actually get a four hour complete with reshoots and better CG version of this movie. Hmm. I think it was Warner Brothers, Mia Culpa. Yeah, we screwed up Justice League. Okay, Zack Snyder, go ahead. Show them what you really wanted to show them. But anyway, you watch Man of Steel, followed by Batman v Superman. It's such a stupid title. Dawn of Justice. The extended cut. <laughs> the extended cut. And then Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is a grand, it's, it's, 
it's like 10 hours. No, it's yeah, it's like 10 hours of content, right? But if you watch that 10 hours of content all the way through, you will see what Snyder's vision was. It's just was. so like, long because it's was all in trying motion, to create. right? It's, that's true. There's a I've actually made motion. that joke on this podcast before. <laughs> uh, you can keep making it I, because it, yeah, it's it just, still holds up. It's, per, it's, uh, it's evergreen, right? It's perennial. It's Yeah, it is It is also perennial, like Superman deaths. Yeah. And uh, I tell you what, man, it's an interesting Superman, story. If you take it on its own merits, deaths, it's an interesting story. Yeah. Yeah. Even when Superman dies, he doesn't really die. And that's the, you know, and that's one of the things too, is like, as much as we want to recreate these myths, we, we still can't quite go that, that full, like we can't go a full hundred percent on it, you know? And Mm -hmm. maybe I'm opening up too much. Maybe I'm opening up a can of worms or whatever too late in the, but I'm just thinking like, that's one of the things that really stuck with me when I first, when I watched death of Superman and then started watching reign of Superman is like, or like you were saying in the comic too, is even when he's dead, he's not really dead. And I'm not, I'm not dismissing the importance of like the death of the icon and how significant that was in the storyline. But it's just funny how like we still can't grapple with the actual, like we still can't grapple with actual death in our heroes, in our gods. Right. And yet that's what makes Christianity different is no, we didn't just pretend not only do we not pretend that Jesus rose, but we can't even pretend that Jesus died, like didn't die. Like we, we have to go What's, full 100 all the way through. He actually died. He was actually dead and he actually rose. And you know, all the other stuff too, of course. That's, that's super important that we like, kind of like leave that final note for this conversation is that we've been talking a lot about this dying, resurrecting God idea, but none of it, I mean, like, Jesus Jesus really does die. It's all just shadows compared to the reality. It is. It's it's just intimations and I, that's the word of this podcast, intimations. I've used it like 3 times now. But like uh it's it's and yet this is what makes Christianity truly great, right? You know, one of the things, folks, that you can be proud of if you're a Christian and you can hopefully be intrigued by if you're not is that not only is our religion cool, <laughs> which it is, but it's it's profound in how it has the best of all things, and it doesn't escape. It's not it. escapism as much as even none somebody it, like none of it. Nietzsche or Schopenhauer or all those other you know salty atheists might say like it's not escapism. It enters into well the pain and the death. The death of Superman feels cheap because you know they're going to bring him back, right? The death of Jesus doesn't feel cheap because him coming back is a the point and like it's all like none of it is it is all part of the plan right whereas when you bring superman back you're basically just undoing a decision you made previously because you know commerce all We all roll our <laughs> eyes at the retcon we all roll yeah, our eyes right at it. Whereas the the narrative structure of Jesus, it has way more to do, frankly, even though we did the whole descent into Hades thing, we, we kind of leaned more on like the stories of like humans going into the underworld and things like that. But uh, if anything, if there's a better correlation, it is the fertility seasonal gods, because at least there, you're talking about it being this kind of cosmic story. That the grain of wheat has to fall to the earth and die, right? To quote John chapter 12, right? And so that's, yeah, 
So I just, well, thank you, Jacob, for suggesting this, for insisting on this, for putting in so much of that background work. Now you can be maybe a little more appreciative (laughs) of uh, your noble co-hosts, you know, all the effort that that goes into these sorts of episodes and stuff. But uh, um, I want to thank all you guys for coming to listen, just so that you can keep Jacob and I coming back over and over again. Right. Nice. Each time. Isn't that? I, like what isn't you did that? There. I know. Uh, uh-huh. So I just want to encourage you guys to, again, like, subscribe to the show, leave a five star rating, positive review, um, because we, we do want to keep coming back and, and doing this, talking about all the really, I mean, profound symbolism, all the profound themes that connect the pop culture that we love, the ancient and modern mythology to our Christian faiths. We fight for truth, justice and the Voyage Comics way. Thanks for listening to Voyage Podcasts. The Voyage Podcast is a production of Voyage Comics and Publishing, which seeks to create exceptional entertainment informed by Catholic values that inspire people to live a heroic life. Voyage Comics seeks to advance truth and beauty found in powerful stories. To learn more, visit voyagecomics.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 